This is the Aspen Public Radio Newscast. I'm your host, Eleanor Bennett, here with your top stories this Friday. Garfield County commissioners have approved $966,000 in grants to various nonprofits in the county. The money comes from the county's nonprofit general fund, as well as its oil and gas mitigation fund. That fund receives revenue from oil and gas companies, property taxes, and mineral lease payments, and it's designed to offset the negative impacts of the industry. The largest grant was $350,000 for Garfield Clean Energy. County officials thank the group for its work with residents in making their homes more energy efficient, as well as its leadership in solar development in western Colorado. Two county animal shelters also got about $250,000 each, and the Colorado Board of Cooperative Educational Services got $110,000. That's for its work with local high schoolers preparing them for careers in technical fields. Three of the five Picking County commissioners will be up for election in November, Greg Poshman, Steve Child, and Francie Jacober. As the Aspen Daily News reports, Poshman is finishing his second term and has already filed a candidate affidavit for his seat. Jacober is finishing her first term and told the Daily News this week that she'll seek re-election and plans to file for her candidacy next week. Meanwhile, Child has served three consecutive four-year terms and cannot run again. Old Snowmass resident Jeffrey Woodruff, who serves on the county's Planning and Zoning Commission, has filed to run for his open seat. Roaring Fork High School principal Megan Bayardo announced yesterday that she'll be resigning starting in the fall. In an email sent to school families, she said it was a difficult decision to make, but she's looking forward to focusing on her own family and greater life balance. Bayardo is in her third year serving as the principal at Roaring Fork High School, and before that she was the assistant principal at Basalt High for four years. Bayardo says she's proud of her current school's accomplishments during her time as principal, including higher enrollment numbers, the creation of the Carbondale Education Foundation, and an effort to increase access to school-based health care. In her email to family, she ended by saying, quote, I'm not leaving the Carbondale community. I'm just stepping away from education after 22 years. Bayardo will be helping the school with its candidate search. The Snowmass Village Town Council will get a look at the design for an expanded Little Red Schoolhouse next week. The child care provider on Owl Creek Road is currently operated by Christina Holloway, who also runs Woody Creek Kids. The property itself is owned by the town, and the council has set a goal to explore the possibility of a bigger child care facility. Town officials will present possible designs to the council on Monday, and councilors will have a chance to provide feedback before the project proceeds to a formal land-use application for development. The Colorado Avalanche Information Center says dangerous conditions exist throughout the Elk Mountains right now. Avalanche danger is currently considerable for mountains around Aspen and Snowmass, and high for some slopes near Redstone and Marble. An avalanche warning is in effect for the Grand Mesa and Battlement Mesa area. The Aspen Daily News reports there was a close call on Hayden Peak north of Ashcroft this week. Two backcountry skiers triggered an avalanche that partially buried one skier and fully buried another on Wednesday, but they escaped uninjured, according to the State Avalanche Center. The skiers told the center they were skinning up a steep section of the standard route up Hayden when the snowpack started to collapse on a steeper slope above them. The center says cautious route finding and conservative decision making are essential for safe backcountry travel. 
The city of Glenwood Springs is warning residents about mountain lions that have been spotted around town over the past month. It's asking residents to take precautions like supervising pets when they're outside and bringing them inside at night. Pets can be easy prey for mountain lions and can attract more of them to the area. Mountain lions are most active overnight from dusk to dawn. The Advocate Safe House Project has launched an awareness campaign this month to teach students and families in the Roaring Fork and Colorado River Valleys how to recognize and prevent dating violence. According to the CDC, nearly 1 in 11 females and approximately 1 in 15 male high school students report having experienced physical dating violence in the past year. One in nine female and one in 36 male students have encountered sexual dating violence. By sharing these statistics, the Glenwood-based nonprofit hopes to spotlight the need for dialogue and education on safe dating practices. First Bank is opening a new banking center for Spanish-speaking residents in Glenwood Springs, and it's holding an opening celebration next week. The banking group has opened 10 other centers that serve Spanish-speaking residents across Colorado. The company says Spanish banking centers are part of its effort to increase access to financial services by offering assistance in people's preferred language and with an understanding of their culture. Next week's celebration is open to the public and will take place at the new location on Grand Avenue in Glenwood on Friday at 4 p.m. In local arts and culture news, writer and cultural critic Marcy Bianco will be speaking in Aspen next week as part of Skiko's Aspen U series. She's an expert in women's studies and she'll be talking about equality, both as a fundamental value of society and its ability to be weaponized. Bianco is the author of the book Breaking Free, The Lie of Equality and the Feminist Fight for Freedom. Her talk starts at 6 p.m. Thursday at the Limelight in Aspen. People are encouraged to show up early for drinks and mingling. And don't forget the Art Cart Alpine Rally will take place on the sledding hill by the Aspen Rec Center tomorrow night. The event is inspired by the Art Cart races held back in the 1980s. Local listener and county commissioner Greg Poshman remembers the race down Aspen Street from the Holland House and Skier Chalet to the finish line at the bottom of the steep street. He says longtime locals like Harry Teague, Bill Dunaway, Graham Means, Michael Cleverly, and others entered vehicle creations like the log, a log with bicycle wheels, and the Fidakin Death Bat, a black-winged cart that was inspired by a group of locals known as the Fidakin Death Commandos. In statewide news, recent storms have brought more snow to a wide swath of the Rocky Mountains. KUNC's Alex Hager reports that's helped erase snow drought conditions and boost the region's water supply. Most of Colorado and Utah are showing about 90 to 100 percent of average for February snow totals. That's a solid upswing after a lackluster start to the winter. Even most snow data from New Mexico and Arizona is well above average. The only area with significantly below average conditions is around the Four Corners, where some sensors are reporting 70 to 80 percent of normal snow. Water managers around the West keep a close eye on snow in Colorado's mountains, since it makes up about two-thirds of all the water in the Colorado River, which supplies cities and farms across seven states. The river's top policymakers won't have a full sense of this year's water supply until around April, when mountain snow starts to melt. I'm Alex Hager. Here in the Roaring Fork watershed, snowpack is just above average for this time of year, thanks to snowstorms this past week. 
The Roaring Fork Conservancy says snowtail sites in the Frying Pan River's headwaters are measuring around 140% of normal, which inflates the overall numbers in the watershed. Sites at Independence Pass and Schofield Pass, the headwaters of the Roaring Fork and Crystal Rivers, respectively, are right around 87% of normal. Those two locations typically supply the majority of the overall water yield in the spring and summer. And in regional news, over 70,000 fans will fill Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas for Sunday's Super Bowl. With the Kansas City Chiefs playing, protesters will be there too. They want teams to stop using names and terms that are derogatory toward Native Americans. Yvette Fernandez reports for the Mountain West News Bureau. We are people first, not redskins. We are not scouts. We are not chiefs. We're not squads. This is an excerpt from a new documentary called Imagining the Indian, the fight against Indian mascots. It's a battle Native people have been waging for decades. Galen Krauser is a member of the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe and founder of the Kansas City Indian Center. She says there has been some success. The Washington team changed their name a few years ago, and they were the, the R word as we say it, uh, because it was a, a slur. Renaming the team's mascot is just one change they want to see. They've been able to get the Kansas City team to ban wearing headdresses at home games, but they also want them to stop instigating fans to do the tomahawk chop. Krauser says studies show that perpetuating stereotypes damages the mental health of Native children. Krauser hopes people will speak with them outside the stadium to hear their message that there is inherent racism in using a group of people as a mascot. For the Mountain West News Bureau, I'm Yvette Fernandez. The Aspen Public Radio Newscast is produced by our news team, which includes Hallie Zander, Caroline Yanez, Kaya Williams, and me, your host, Eleanor Bennett. You can listen to the show every weekday morning on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and see you next time.